Yes, it is Monday, February 13. The Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in. We're at the Stain Hotel in Manly ahead of Super Bowl 57 in Arizona this morning. 10.30 kickoff. Rihanna for the halftime show. Stacks of markets open with Tab. We've got a multi open uh, this morning as well. It's paying $7.50. It's in its usual spot under today's offers, and it's for Philadelphia to win against Kansas City. Miles Sanders, the running back for the Eagles, to score a touchdown, and Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the Chiefs, to have 46-plus rushing yards, $7.50. And, uh, well, the market with tab for the big one today, it is as tight as it gets. Philly, $1.85. Kansas City, $1.95. One-and-a-half is the line. Chiefs, the plus. And in the MVP market, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, $2.10. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, $2.30. 13 and longer the rest. Uh, plenty of NRL trials last night. Well, yesterday there was four, in fact. And uh, we're going to speak to Phil Buzz Rothfield from the Telegraph shortly. But uh, yesterday we saw uh, the Roosters beat the Melbourne Storm 32-24. That was in Geelong. The Bulldogs 34-18 over the Raiders in Maruya. And then uh, the four Queensland teams played out draws last night. The Cowboys and the Dolphins, 22-all. The Broncos and the Titans, 24-all. Uh, the game that we're certainly looking forward to, though, Loz, is the World Club Challenge this week because St. Helens gave a good account of themselves against the Dragons. The Dragons severely undermanned, though, but 30-18, to 18, St. Helens beat them. And uh, the Panthers, not many, you know, I guess, you know, Top-line players played for them, did they? They're regular first graders. Not many played against Parramatta there the other day. Uh, and it's what, what you said, it's going to be upwards of 40 degrees? Well, they said out, out Penrith Way on Saturday, it'll be close to 40 degrees. They, they're predicting 37, 38. So it's going to be difficult conditions for St. Helens. But Penrith had never won a club challenge either, so they'll be ready to go. A lot of their players obviously uh, were selected in sides to play at the World Cup last year, so they weren't participating on the weekend. So this will be their first game. So they'll be a bit vulnerable. Um, but, you know, St Helens, they were OK, I thought, against the Dragons on the weekend. They'll have to improve uh, if they're going to knock off this wonderful Penrith side. Morning, Buzz. Yeah, good morning, guys. Great to have the footy back. I went to Gosford on Friday night and um, watched the Sharkies. Uh, they were impressive. They beat the Knights 28-16 and... And the good game too, really tight game. Uh, Manly 30 beat the Rabbitohs 28. And it was just nice to be back there, you know, live. Uh, good crowd, 10,000. Beautiful playing surface. It's like a pool table up there at Gosford. And, uh, yeah, it was great. But, look, with these trials we were about to talk to, I don't read too much into them. I, I think, really, to make a judgment on a football team and their prospects for the year, you've You've certainly, I reckon you've got to wait for about six weeks into the competition. But um, if you want to start off, I, I, I thought the Bulldogs were great. Um, 34-18 over Canberra and Maruya. I, I thought the highlight was Reed Marnie's game, their the new hooker from Parramatta. He uh, he really livened up their attack. They had an 88% completion rate, uh, which was, you know, outstanding for this time of the year. And Reed Marnie had a couple of tries this, and... Um, new coach, Cameron Serraldo, the players have bought into his uh, methods of coaching and um, um, I'm not going to declare them certainties for the top eight, but I think they're going to be there about. We didn't see their full team yesterday, like with just about every other club, but uh, they couldn't have been more impressive, the Bulldogs, in my view. 
Yeah, no, I thought they were, they were terrific, Buzz. But I, I agree with you in terms of we don't really get a lot out of uh, trial matches. You've got to wait until that first month of the NRL season before you really start to identify teams that you think will be on the improve. And I think this weekend we'll get a better idea as well because I think the teams will look to put more of their you know, top players into the run-on sides to, to give them sort of a game before the start of the, the competition. But I, I watched the Indigenous All-Stars have a great victory against the Maori All-Stars there on the weekend. I thought it was a terrific contest. And, and Nico Hines proving himself to be a wonderful player, wonderful ambassador both on and off the field. Well, you look at this sort of emotional trauma that Nico Hines had to deal with in the lead-up to that game. Um, it's been very well publicised that his mum's in custody and he he basically went from the courtroom steps there on the central coast to, to Sydney Airport and flew to New Zealand to Rotorua for this game. And look, they tell me when he first arrived, he was struggling and he there was even talk he'd, he'd go back home and, and to be with those he's closest with in Cronulla. But... Um, he stuck it out and he, he had a wonderful game and uh, won the Preston Campbell medal. Um, the interesting story there is, and I, I've written a column about it today, is that um, the Cronulla Sharks are ready to start contract extension talks. And Steve Mace, their chairman, um, who's very close to Nico, wants to sign him basically for the rest of his career. He's got two years to go this year and next on his contract, but he wants a four-year extension. And Nico signed at Cronulla for about 600k a year um, when they pulled him out of Melbourne Storm. And, um, um, yeah, the, the, the next contract they're hoping will see him out for the rest of his career. And it's not just his playing career, but, but they want him in coaching and recruitment and mentoring. And he is such an impressive dude, this guy. He's already the face of Cronulla. I... He, he's like God here in the show. Everyone loves him, mums, dads, kids, girls. He's just so popular. And he recently uh, signed a massive new contract with Puma uh, Sportswear and um, just everyone wants a little bit of him. And that he's shown so much class, but so much support for his mum. And, he's, you know, he's had a lot to juggle and uh, just a tremendous role model and, I can actually see him being the face of the game in years to come. He won the Dalian medal last year. And the other thing is he can play a bit too, Cardi. He's, he's up there with the top halfbacks in the game, in my view. And, um, yeah, wonderful performance on the weekend. What did you make of the Dolphins' first hit-out, Buzz? Yeah, better than your West Tigers, Clarky, that's for sure. But we'll get to them. <laughs> uh, look, oh, mate, a nice uh, little harsh, jab straight away, Buzz. Uh, harsh but fair. I thought you were going to mention the Australian cricket team. Oh, yep. That's oh, yeah, <laughs> there's two. Well, I, I thought Clarky was lucky on Thursday night that he probably watched the cricket, didn't have to watch the West Tigers. But, oh, um, I watched a little bit of the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Look, but back to your Dolphins. I was really, really pleased they were competitive and uh, nearly won that game. The Cowboys scored at the end, 22-all. I tell you what impressed me, they only missed 10 tackles and uh, there was, you know, an interesting Wayne Bennett didn't go to the game. He was um, stuck in Brisbane. Uh, I know the Courier-Mail journalists are still trying to find out why. Wayne's handed over to Christian Wolfe for a trial game, typical Wayne. Uh, but look, I don't know if he had a personal issue or what happened there, but they, I, I think they, 
you know, it, well, they, they couldn't. Have, the Cowboys were a great side last year, but again, neither side at full strength. So, as you said, Loz, next week some of the players will be back and um, and, and we'll get a better indication. Look, as for the West Tigers on Thursday night, look, what worried me is Tim Sheens has said all along that the emphasis is going to be on attack and they're going to throw the football around and him and Benji both encourage that. But, look, to, to, to run up to or concede 48 points against the Warriors, um, 54 missed tackles um, was not good enough. They need to get the pads out this week at Concord and do something about that. I, look, I don't know if it was lack of effort. I don't think the heat was a problem in New Zealand. Um, um Slight concern there, but look, they've signed some fantastic players. You know, the Appy Coruscant and the Papa Leahy's and Brooks didn't play, Adam Dewey didn't play. And I'm sure once they get their best football team onto the park, we're going to, like the rest of the clubs, we're going to see more from them. One of the necessary evils, I suppose, uh, with trial matches is the inevitable Ill- inevitability of injuries. Uh, Melbourne Storm with Justin Ollum, I suppose... Um, you know, you, you can get injured in any game, but you just don't like seeing players, and in particular high-profile players, get injured weeks out from the start of the year. Yeah, look, um, a real, real blow for Melbourne Storm. If they, if Justin Ollum's a broken arm, it's up to eight weeks, could miss the first six rounds of the competition. What worries me is Ryan Pappenhausen, too, their fullback. He's showing no signs of being ready to play football. It was a horrible knee injury he suffered. He's been to the United States for treatment, but still a long way off, Storm are telling us, even though he's back doing light training, but certainly not um, body contact. Uh, Look, without Olam and Pappenhausen, Storm lose a lot of their attacking punch for those early rounds of the competition. I've had a look at their draw. They've got power. First up, that's the opening of the season on the Thursday night at Combank. In their favour, they've got a reasonable draw after that. They've got the Bulldogs, the Titans and the West Tigers after that. But I losing players like that, but not having them around, I think Storm are traditionally strong starters in the competition. They always have been. I can't remember them being under pressure or in trouble early on. So we might have to see them this year come from behind mm. because, as I said, you can't read trial form, but you can read injuries, and, and they are serious blows not having those two in the back five. Yeah, you mentioned Pappenhausen. The more I think about that injury that he sustained, like a shattered kneecap, like putting yes. that all back together, I, I reckon that's going to take a lot longer than what we all think, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's not available until the back half of the season. Yeah, even Storm and the physios, as they tell me, don't regularly deal with these sort of injuries. You know, there's all sorts of knee recoveries um, mm. that, that they know about, but this was an unusual, a real impact injury. And, um, look, he's been to get the best help in the United States. Um I don't know, particularly when he whether we're going to see such an explosive player. He's a wonderful player to watch, isn't he? You know, he's mm. a freak with the football in his hand. He's got speed. He's got that step. He can do things that not many footballers in the NRL can do. Um, it, it is a concern, and um, but the game needs players like him. Storm needs players like him, and um, 
that you know that it's been well documented. They've lost half their forward pack, and um, you know I, I keep thinking let's give them some time, but I'm a little little bit worried about them at this stage. But, but Caelan Pong is about to face the media this morning at I think nine thirty, and it'll be the first time we've heard from Caelan for quite some time. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting story, mate, in Newcastle today. Um, you go way back to August, six months ago, Callum Ponger was out um, uh, with the repercussions of, of concussion, and any doctor will tell you, and I, I, I saw a guy on TV the other night who said, if you're suffering from concussion, you have three to... Repeated concussions, you're supposed to have three to six months of alcohol, and... Callum Ponger last year, as just to recap, bought a new house in Newcastle, grabbed Kurt Mann and they spent the afternoon in the pub and uh, while their team was being flogged interstate and um, they were both sprung on a video that went on social media, leaving a toilet cubicle. It was a really, really bad look for the club. The suggestions, they swept it under the carpet, no fines, no nothing. Um, the NRL Integrity Unit let it go. Now, here's a guy who's on 1.4 to 1.5 million this year once the ratchet clause comes into his contract with the new um, new salary cap. He only played 14 games last year. Now, this guy is a potential champion of the game. Can do things... And Joey John said to me over the weekend, what he does at training is, is frightening, just the skill level. And, and to his credit, Look, I'm having a crack at him for not being professional on that day he had on the booze. But they say he's the best trainer in the club, not just the best player. He's super, super fit at the moment. Uh, despite a, a calf injury he suffered, he wins every all the time trials, etc. in Newcastle. But I'd just like to see him today at this press conference as captain of the club. I think it's important to take a bit of ownership and tell people what happened and show a little bit of remorse. I don't like the fact that he's been hidden away for the last six months. I don't. I was in Newcastle recently for his 60th birthday and, and oh, I, I spoke to a lot of people and just the Knights brand, there was a little bit of ill feeling towards them over issues like this. Uh, you know, they haven't been a successful football team last year and it'll be really interesting to, and, and, and I hope he does well because... Uh, Pretty rugged media, as you guys know, the NRL uh, scribes. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say today. I was happy for Kevy Walters. It looks like he's going to get a contract extension buzz, but there's a feeling around that the Broncos didn't need to rush into this decision. What did you make of this uh, story going around that he's likely to be signing a new two-year deal? Well, let's start off by saying Kevy Walters is dead set, one of the nicest blokes in rugby league absolute champion fella but for the life of me I cannot understand why the Broncos at this stage of the season after one trial match have decided to extend him for another two years I look at it this way you do these contract extensions possibly if there's a danger of losing your coach to another club and you lock him in long term and um, um, that's why you do it now Kevy improved the Broncos last year, but they bombed out pretty miserably to the back end of the season. We saw um, we saw yesterday, it was on the Sunshine Coast, they had a 24-all draw uh, with the Titans, but 
I think it's an exciting roster he's got. Um, Adam Reynolds will again be the key, and hopefully, um, you know, his fitness holds up and he, we see plenty of football. But I just didn't think there was any need. I think they could have waited to round six, maybe round ten, before they make a decision. Now, the NRL have handed the clubs $5 million a year above the salary cap. And you want NRL clubs to spend that money responsibly. You don't want to see them facing mass payouts for coaches, which a lot of clubs have wasted money on for far too long. And um, I'm just surprised they extended him at this stage. have to leave it there, Buzz. Thanks so much. Where are you watching the Super Bowl today? Mate, I'll be at home. What time are you guys having your first beer down there? It's up to loss. What's the reason? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you haven't like, had one yet. <laughs> no, I haven't had one yet, Buzz. No, I'm very responsible. You know what I'm like. Maybe you can't have one on Super Bowl day. Well, that's really? exactly right. It's un-Australian if I don't. So the Absolutely. answer to your question is five past nine. <laughs> Mate, have a cup of tea and then wait a bit longer. Thanks, Buzz. Yeah. See you guys. Ta-da. See you, mate. Uh, Aussie Jason Day just dropped a little off the pace here at the Phoenix Open. He's still tied for fourth, but he's five shots back behind Scotty Scheffler. So we're Day through his final round, two under through 11 holes. And Scheffler leading along with Nick Taylor, the Canadian, who's, uh, well, Taylor's having a superb final round. He's five under. Uh, through 10 holes, and Scheffler's three under through 10. So those two are 16 under par. John Rahm, 13 under, and Sung Jae-im and Jason Day, 11 under, along with Jordan Spieth as well at 11 under par in the battle for the Phoenix Open there at Scottsdale this morning. Loz, you were showing me some uh, videos and pictures earlier. you got a group of mates over there who've been uh, dominating around the party hole there at uh, Arizona. Yes. And to say... They look, they look like they're having a good time would be an understatement. I'll tell you what, Mido, when you start receiving text messages of you know, what they're doing over there, you become pretty jealous quickly. Yeah. They are having a ball. It looks magnificent. The weather's perfect. And they're off to the Super Bowl today. Oh. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they booked this trip 12 months ago. They're all very keen and avid golfers. Uh, they reckon around that party hole is one of the best things they've ever done. Um, and they would recommend it to anyone, but yeah, it's a trip of a lifetime for a few. And the betting, it's almost a pick'em. Philadelphia a dollar eighty-five with tab. Kansas City a dollar ninety-five. Dick, how's your Super Day, Super Bowl Sunday looking? How are you? Pretty good, guys. I just got done with a basketball doubleheader that I was coaching my son's seventh grade team, and the. Uh, we won the first one, and then the second one we had to come back and win in double overtime. So I'm a little bit uh, spent. <laughs> Sounds stressful. <laughs> All right, it's uh, legacies on the line. And let's start with the obvious, I guess, Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City, who's been battling this ankle injury. Dick, what does a win or a loss do for his legacy in this Super Bowl? I don't think a loss does much. Everybody loves Patrick Mahomes. Everybody understands how great Patrick Mahomes is. I don't think a loss does much. I think a win vaults him and Andy Reid, and you are now starting to get in very rarefied air as far as coach-quarterback combos. I mean, I think you're probably now in the level of, you know, they don't have as many, even if they won today, they wouldn't have as many as Brady and Belichick, but they they seem to fit so well. Andy Reid is an offensive coach. Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. Remember, Bill Belichick was not an offensive coach. 
He was just the head coach of the Patriots when Tom Brady was the quarterback. He really didn't coach Tom Brady. Andy Reid coaches that offense and coaches Patrick Mahomes. He is the de facto offensive coordinator, even though Eric Bieniemy is there, and he is very good as well, and they work hand-in-hand together. But, I mean, we're now talking about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes potentially being the second-greatest quarterback-coach combination in NFL history if they win this game. Dick, where's his injury at? Is he back to 100%, do you think? It's looking really good. Um, Adam Schefter just just reported a couple of hours ago that there was a massive amount of progress made over the last two weeks and that he just kind of – he had to kind of gut it out in the AFC Championship game, which he did. Heck, he cemented the game on that scramble. Uh, He was able to run. He wasn't fast, but he was able to run 15 yards and scramble out of bounds and get that uh, extra 15-yard penalty when he was hit out of bounds there. Um, Everything looks very good. I'm going to stop short in saying he's 100%. I don't know how you could possibly be 100% with a high ankle sprain that you just suffered three weeks ago, but he was good enough in the AFC Championship game to win. I do not think we'll see, unless he gets hit again, right? And and believe me, the Eagles are going to be looking for it. The Eagles know exactly which ankle's injured. They're going to be trying to come in and put a lot of heat on Patrick Mahomes today. And really, I think... The Eagles' defensive line against the Kansas City offensive line, I think, is the number one key to this football game. What type of pressure do they put on Mahomes? And what type of run defense do they have? Can they stop Pacheco and McKinnon and those? Can they stop them to two, three-yard gains? Or are they getting four, five-yard gains when they hand the ball off? That's a, that's a massive difference between three yards a gain, uh, three yards a gain and four and a half yards a game again it can just change what you do and what you can do with the rest of your offense when you're successfully running the ball well i've just seen a bet we've just taken a bet dick of fifty thousand on the under fifty and a half fifty thousand dollars on the under fifty and a half well, what are your that's thoughts what, on the points? I, I, I like. I think that's the. I think that's the right side. Uh, I don't have the money or the guts to put fifty thousand dollars on it, but I put fifty bucks on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I do think that's. I do think that's the right side. I think we'll be close to it, though. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if we saw a twenty to seventeen type game, but I do think we'll see somewhere in that 24-23, right, 26-23, somewhere in there uh, in, the, in both teams. I think the winning score, I think if you get to 27 tonight, I think you win the game. What about the other quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Dick? We, we know that Mahomes has been carrying an injury, but so has Hurts. And tell us a little bit about what type of player he is. And is he a pressure player? Can he handle the big moments? That's a great question because uh, I know you guys don't follow the college game like you follow the NFL game over there. Jalen Hurts was actually pulled. He was pulled from the national championship game for Alabama at halftime because he was miserable. And Tua Tungavailoa came in. Now the Miami Dolphins quarterback. Tua Tungavailoa came in for Alabama and came back and won the football game. So Jalen Hurts is a fabulous leader. Jalen Hurts is a warrior. Um, he's a guy that everybody loves to follow. The two things we don't know about Jalen Hurts is, one, exactly how healthy that shoulder is, and number two, can he rise to the occasion in the biggest moment of his life? And we have no idea what the answer to that question is. That, to me, is the most fascinating impact, uh, in, 
aspect of this game. I told you the biggest key was the offensive line of Kansas City against the defensive line of Philadelphia. The most fascinating thing to watch tonight is Jalen Hurts and whether does I would assume Kansas City is going to do everything they possibly can to stop the run game. Stop Hurts from running, stop the running backs from running, and say, hey, if we are going to lose this game, it is going to be Jalen Hurts completing 15, 20, 25-yard passes down the field against our young cornerbacks. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts can't do that. I'm just telling you I haven't seen him do it since he was injured. So I don't know if he can do it or not. I'm banking on no. That's why I bet Kansas City. But you talk about Jalen Hurts' uh, Patrick Mahomes' legacy. Jalen Hurts' legacy can be unbelievably impacted by what he does in this game. He can either fail, and then everybody's wondering, oh, is Jalen Hurts really an elite quarterback? He could win the Super Bowl, but not really do a lot with his arm. And then what are people saying? Eh, well, you know, they won because of their defense. They won because of their running game. They didn't really win because of Jalen Hurts. Or he can win throwing the ball downfield. And, and you look, and he's the MVP, and people say, wow, Jalen Hurts just carried the Eagles to an MVP and a Super Bowl championship, and that would instantly elevate Jalen Hurts into that top five, top six conversation in the NFL. I don't think that last thing's going to happen. I think one of the first two, either A, he fails, or B, Philadelphia wins, but it's not really because of Jalen Hurts passing the ball. Those are, those are my two that I think will happen. But, hey, if he, if he wins this game and puts his team on his shoulders, then I'll be the first one to come on with you next week and say, hey, we didn't know, and he showed us he could do it. What about conditions, Dick? What can we expect? Oh, I think it's going to be beautiful. I mean, we're watching, uh, if you guys got the golf on, um, you know, you're watching, you're watching the golf tournament right now. That's 20 miles away from where they're playing the Super Bowl. And so it's, uh, it's gorgeous. I would imagine, I would hope the roof is open. It's a retractable roof uh, on grass. Um, but, you know, in, when I was down there, when the Seahawks played in Glendale, Arizona, uh, the roof was open. But most of the games, the roof is closed. So I'm not sure if we're going to have – regardless, though, the weather's not going to impact the game. You're, you're basically playing in a bubble, whether it's, uh, whether it's open or closed. Okay. We have a, a multi or a same-game parlay, as you call it, Dick. Um, and, you know, we've taken your suggestion on Isaiah Pacheco. We've got him to have 46 or more rushing yards. Uh, got Miles Sanders to score a touchdown. But I've added Philadelphia to win, which I know is at odds against you. But uh, the other two legs, are you confident about? Yes, but I, I like Pacheco was one of my favorites. Mm. The only thing on uh, on Philadelphia, they have such an inc- intricate goal line offense that you really don't know who is going to get the ball. And that's what makes them so fascinating inside the five-yard line. They run that read zone. Sometimes Jalen Hurts keeps it. Sometimes it's Miles Sanders. Sometimes it's Gainwell. I mean, they have so many options there at the goal line. But I would imagine that, you know, they're going to score probably three touchdowns. They're probably not going to be long touchdowns, so they're going to have to score within the 10-yard line. So, uh, you know, Miles Sanders is as good a bet as anybody to take one in for Philadelphia. But overall, your Kansas City wins Mahomes MVP. Kansas City wins, Mahomes MVP. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Travis Kelsey has a huge game. He's obviously a great candidate for MVP as well. I mean, you're not really getting any value on betting Mahomes for the MVP. <laughs> so, I mean, what is, he, what is he to win the MVP right now? $2.30, thir- uh, $2. Yeah. <laughs> I think, with us. Yeah, yeah $2.30. I mean, there's only a 50. 
I mean, there's only a 50-50 shot they win. And so he's obviously not going to be the MVP um, if they lose. And so that cuts your, you know, that cuts your value in half. And then, you know, it's either going to be, I would imagine it's either going to be him or Travis Kelsey. I, I, I will tell you this, though. If you want a little dark horse, you know, and I'll stick with the Kansas City side of things. If you want a dark horse MVP, Frank Clark is only three sacks away from breaking the all-time playoff sack record for most in his career. And – you better believe he knows that. And Frank Clark and Chris Jones are going to be coming after Jalen Hurts. And if they can stop the run and force Philadelphia into third and long situations, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are kind of nice outside, tasty little wagers for, for MVP. Well, Frank Clark's 100 to 1. So there you go. You there you go. There you go. You don't, even, you don't even have to put, put five bucks on it just for the heck of it, right? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Enjoy your Super Bowl. Thanks so much. Uh, It's going to be fun. We'll talk to you later this week, guys. Don't forget the big sports breakfast lunch. Friday week, Feb 24. Get your tickets. Wink stand, Raw Ramwick. Sporting and Racing Royalty will be there. Just go to the ATC's website. Get your tables sorted, your tickets sorted. AustralianTurfClub.com.au australianturfclub.com.au for your tickets for the big sports breakfast lunch. Uh, just a reminder that multi, so uh, in its usual spot, tab app, tab website. Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl today. Miles Sanders to score a touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco, 46 plus rushing yards, $7.50 uh, with tab. And uh, just also, we were talking about Ricky Fowler's ace. Uh, plenty of pointed out. Yeah, it was on the 7th. Uh, visit Newey, etc. Chicken Chow. Fowler's ace was on the seventh, and he went bogey, bogey, dead set, filthy. Says Chicken Chow. Uh, but uh, plenty of yeah, it looks like a beautiful day in Arizona. And as Dick just told us, uh, the Phoenix opened about twenty miles away from where uh, the Super Bowl is being played today. A beautiful day there in Arizona. Ali Mosley, who uh, is getting plenty of love on the text line for giving us emirants in the highway on Saturday morning. Ali, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. Had a big weekend, but a good weekend, and it was a great weekend of racing. I didn't really know where to look half the time because it was, we got to watch the CF4 and the drama unfolding there and the two-year-olds um, sort of making their mark, good Olfen's two-year-olds making their mark, the Phillies coming to the fore again with the babies. So I thought it was a, a great weekend of racing, and, and we got we got on the board with Amaranth, so that was the main thing. <laughs> It was as a dramatic February racing day as you could imagine in recent times. But uh, let's start with the Apollo, the feature there at Randwick and the performance of Enemo. And uh, well, what more can we say about this this boy? He is, uh, he's the top seed probably at the moment in Australian racing. He just idled too. I think what can, and I'm, I would imagine what all make my almost make James nervous is that he sort of idles. It's like he doesn't use any extra fuel that he doesn't have to use. And it, it's, it's so it, uh, sort of nerve-wracking to watch, but you can feel that he's just got everything there under the under the engine and he just uses it when he needs to. He doesn't overdo anything. He knows he's a good horse. So I went down, I always sneak down and see him at the stalls and he was just beautiful. So so much more relaxed as well. It's just come back on man this preparation and, and I think he really showed that. But yeah, he just he doesn't overdo anything. He just does what he has to do but always gets it done, which is why I think um We'll just see the best of him this prep, particularly if he goes overseas as well. But I think the girls have to get the tick out of that race as well. Hinge, Fangirl and Ice Bath all put in mm. fantastic performances. I thought Fangirl was 
uh, probably the run of it, and I'm back to a place, so I was pretty happy about that too. Um, she'll go on. I, I think um, improvers in the light fingers as well were revolutionary miss. Madame Pomery, a lot more love. It's just tricky where they go next, but I think I'll definitely follow the girls out of the Apollo Stakes. Well, you talked about the light fingers. What about in secret? She was slow to begin with, but she's just a magnificent filly on the rise. Well, I felt as though everyone um, was probably the, 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 the thing that was worrying people most was the fact she'd been missing the kick in the trials, and I think that can turn people off a little bit. And she she did the same in her in her race as well, and she just sort of another one that just idled. I thought perhaps that, you know, she's probably more versatile than we gave her credit for. I thought she was. We saw her come out and thought maybe she was a genuine genuine wet tracker. Then she ran well on soft, and now she's obviously proven on a good track as well. So not only is she talented, but she's versatile in her racing pattern and what she can race on. So that's what makes her so, so talented. Uh, now, elsewhere, what did you make of the protest in the ore down south and uh, the result where Gentleman Roy had... Uh, well, uh, had his victory, it was overturned and Jack and I was given the result. Yeah, I wasn't fully across it because I was, I was working up here in Sydney, but I was mm. sort of looking at, you know, what racing Twitter does when it <laughs> starts rolling along and deciding whether it should be dismissed or upheld. So the fact that it was going for so long suggested that it was, was probably going to be upheld. I guess it's tricky when it sets the precedent and then people start talking about, you know, the Cox Plate, Animo's Cox Plate, whether that should have been upheld. So it's always tricky, I suppose, when they when they make that decision. I, uh, oh, it's, it's such a hard one, Mike. I mean, my good mate trained Gentleman Roy, so I was probably cheering for Gentleman Roy. Um, so I was a little bit biased. Um, but, you know, in the end, I think the general consensus was that it, it probably should have been upheld, and that's what happened. But it, here in Sydney, I just wanted to make mention of Annabelle and how well she conducted mm. herself after learning to fly on the Millennium. She is such a professional trainer, and the fact that her first thought after that race wasn't, you know, the fact that she perhaps just won a Ferrari or, or the English Millennium and how big of a deal that was, but that her, her other runner, Dorothy Gale, who Tom Marquand had fallen off, was okay. And that just shows so much about Annabelle as a trainer and as a person. So I just think she deserves all the credit that, that comes her way. Annabelle, she'll be, she'll be an absolute star trainer and she's, she's well on the way for that now. Are we following or sacking anything in particular out of Saturday? Yeah, well, I i mean, Cafe Millennium was the one I wanted to talk about. He is just, I don't know what to make of this big brute. He is absolutely enormous and he's a big, dopey horse. And I say that with the utmost respect. I think John O'Shea even said he was pretty dopey. He sort of just flopped out of the barriers and then they left him. And I thought, he's been around 10 lengths last year. And then he almost just switched on. It's like he doesn't really know what he's got. So I think once we, you know, see him really switch on, he'll be um, a force to be reckoned with, this cult. And the picture just keeps shaping up for these two-year-olds. I still think probably the Phillies have the edge over the Colts at the moment, but Cafe Millennium was super. And then I thought another one actually out of the English Millennium was one of Gay and Adrian's horses running on there, and it was the emergency in Gan Bear. Um, the cult by Morris, he was flashing home late. I haven't looked at his sectionals, but if you get a chance to go back and watch that run, I thought he was certainly the one to follow out of the millennium. Ali, thank you so much. Thanks, guys.